Good morning. Rainy time change morning. I had anxiety worrying about was I going to be late this morning, but I, we made it here, Lydia and I. We're doing a study. This is the second week of a three-week uh, study on anxiety. And we are taking a look at what well, many things can cause anxiety, but it's only one person that we can go to that will remove all of the fears and all of the worry, and he's Jesus Christ. We'll be looking at Philippians, if you want to turn to chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. And I'll give you a little background, even though we're not studying Philippians. We're, we're sitting here this morning, but uh, Paul is madly in love with this Philippian church. Uh, I guess it was because, I, I kind of believe it was caused because of Lydia. He meets her, and it's probably known that she really started the church. Her or either the jailer, because they treated Paul pretty rough when he came. All Paul knew that, he remember, he had tried to go south, he had tried to go east, he had tried to go west, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit forbade him to go. And so they wind up in Philippi, thinking, I know when he went down to the, the lake there, he was going to be around a lot of men, and nothing there was but women. But Paul, in that little quest that the Lord would call him to go somewhere, even though when he thought there would be men there, there was women there, and the Lord still blessed him greatly. They needed to be saved. Lydia, we know, it's probably her. She probably started the church or either the Philippian jailer. One of them probably started this church. But Paul is very fond of this church. And he's thrilled to be there. And even in tough times, there's a joy of the Lord that believers should have. Because Jesus told us from the beginning, in this life, we're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So the marks of a believer truly is even in bad times, even when difficult times, we still are walking with the Lord, knowing that he's in control. He said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. He would be with us till the end of the age. And he's not a man that he should lie. He, he sticks by his word. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 2, it tells us this. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, on things of the earth. And that's usually when I get anxiety or I have anxiety because I'm thinking of earthly things, how those things are going to turn out. That's why Paul, by the Holy Spirit, said, we should be, our thoughts should be continually on things that are above, where there's calm at, and where our Heavenly Father, we learned that from the first week I taught on this, God is our Father. He cares for us. He's always doting over us. And then he gave that example, if I feed the birds of the air, I'm not their father, I'm your father, and I feed them how much more Will I take care of you guys? And so we're going to find out that anxiety comes from a lack of trust, true trust in God. And it also, our minds can be on things that, that, that brings anxiety instead of focusing on the Lord. And as I was thinking of what causes anxiety for me, because I have to confess I had anxiety last night, thinking I wouldn't, the clock wouldn't alarm me. I said it, said it wrong, and I wouldn't, I'd be late here. It's amazing. Every time the time changed, that's my best night of sleep all year long. And then I have to fight it when it's time. We, I usually get up at like 5 o'clock on Sunday. I got up this morning at 7.15, and so it was a rush to the bathroom, it was a rush to get dressed, everything, but thank you, Lord, you made it here. We made it here. But we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, and it tells us this in Philippians. Paul, by the Holy Spirit, says, rejoice 
in the Lord always. And when I first read it, I said, man, that's a tough task, Lord. But I said it was a tough task because I was looking at earthly things, things to get my eyes off you. And when I set my affections on spiritual things, it's easy to rejoice in the Lord. He saved us. Romans tells us he not only saved us, but he's going to undergird us and he's going to keep us until we make it home. So why anxiety? We get our eyes off Christ. We get our eyes off spiritual things. Uh, 1 Corinthians tells us we should be thinking of spiritual things all throughout the day. But every time I set my affections on things of the earth, anxiety steps in. God, knowing that, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. You'd think Paul would have left some wiggle room in there, but he didn't because we don't have to be anxious for things. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Meditate on these things. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's a, that's a difficult task sometimes. He goes on to say, the things which you learned, and this should be all of us, brothers and sisters, the things which you learned, we should be able to say this, or we should be striving into the image of Christ that we can say that one day, and received and heard and saw in me, these do. The God of peace, not just the peace of God, but the God of peace, he says, will be with you. So we're diving back into anxiety, and we've come to the section of Scripture. Many counselors call this the biblical Scripture for anxiety. So pretend you're in a class this morning. And Paul lays it out as the right way to pray, the right way to think, and the right kind of behavior. Because if we're praying and we're thinking, that third one should be automatically. Usually we're not praying and we're not thinking spiritual things and we wonder why we're anxious. Paul says, no, think the right thing, be in constant prayer with the Lord and your behavior will follow those things. So it's the prayer in verse six, how we should pray. Verse eight tells us how we should use our mind and verse nine it says, imitate the things we should see in the lives of the apostles. The right kind of living, the prescription for anxiety. And I have to admit, I've had a week full of anxiety this week, so I'm probably getting spanked as I do this lesson. <laughs> I didn't handle it so well, so this is for me. But I'm here, Lord. I'm ready to learn from you. I'm ready to fight again. Verse 6 tells us, and bear with me because I will be skipping around. I'll try to keep you with me this morning. Be anxious for nothing. The King James says, be careful. The Greek says, stop being anxious. That's a, that's a tall task. It even says, or never be anxious. So we can do this. And, and, and Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is assuming that we are anxious. And remember, he's writing to Christians here, the church in Philippi, because it's our tendency to have anxiety. Every one of us has some type of anxiety or it'll spring up on us in a heartbeat, and we have to be ready for that. Matter of fact, Corey Tinboon said, this is the age of anxiety, Jesus said about the last days, men's heart would be failing them for fear. 
And I do believe we're living in the last days. Matter of fact, doctors are still saying you have heart problems, and heart problems are usually from worry and anxiety. The English root as to where we get this word from, it means to strangle. One of them, I'll give you two of them. One of them means to strangle. And that's interesting because when Jesus was giving his parable about the sower and the seed, he says this, do not worry about your life. That's anxious care. He gives us three Greek words for worry. It's worry, it's anxious, it's care. So when he speaks, when he goes to Martha and he speaks to her, Mary is sitting at his feet. And this is what it said to Martha in Luke 10, 41. Martha, Martha, you are worried, Meremneo. You are worried and troubled about many things. That's our word. Paul used a word in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He told the, the, the Corinthians church this, but I want you to be without care, Meremneo. That's the Greek word. And it comes from two Greek words, and both should set us free when we uh, find them out together. Marizo, that's one of them. It means to tear, to separate, or divide. And then neo means the mind. We put those two words together, marimneo, which means the mind is divided. I have a small mind anyway, so my mind does not need to be divided. I need all of it. But that's what it means to divide the mind. And it's hard to follow and do the things of Christ when you're thinking about doing other things. That's why James tells us, 1.8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He says one thing, he does the other. He wants to do one thing, he ends up doing the other. He's fighting with his mind. Anxiety. I always say this, Chuck Swindoll says, the issue is not knowing what to do. We know what to do. The issue is doing it. And anxiety has a way of keeping us from doing the, doing the right things we should do. Jesus used another word in the parable of the sower, Matthew 13, 22. It's the root of the same word. He says this, now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares marimna of, the, of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And that's telling. We all agree that the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. And when he says it became unfruitful, that lets me know that it was fruitful. And there should be a great big warning sign going off it was fruitful, but the cares of the world, the distractions of the world made it not fruitful. We must be committed to the word of God. That's the only way anyone will be saved, by the Holy Spirit and the word of God. Uh, I, I wrestled with myself, was I going to say this or not? So half myself... <laughs> Lost. <laughs> I, I went to see the uh, movie, uh, Chuck, Chuck Smith, that movie, and I, I enjoyed the movie because I know anybody who's making movies, they don't have time. It's, it's too much money to watch these people be converted and all the process it took for them to be uh, converted, come to know the Lord. So they showed a quick scene the kids were partying, and then they had come to church, and they had come to know the Lord. And I heard people saying, well, it was just a bunch of hippies in the church, and they didn't repent of their sins, and they didn't do this, and they didn't do that. Calvary Chapel has been, been here for 40-something years now. Godly men, not that we're perfect. I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even a lauding Calvary Chapel, but I'm talking about the Word of God because that's why I just said it's the Bible and the Holy Spirit that will change a life. And that's what those men were committed to. And that's what we're going to be committed to. 
So, you know, people are always trying to throw shade on something, but it, we know that uh, they had to be saved. Greg Laurie, uh, even though it didn't show the step-by-step process, he came to faith in Jesus. So don't let them throw shade on you. We know what it takes to be saved. It takes an act of God. No man has ever came to God on his own. He's drawn them. But it's the word and it's the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul is talking about here. It's the word. And if not careful, and we should put the word high above a lot of things. Because once, I used to tell the kids in youth class, I I would ask them every Sunday and every Wednesday, hey, did you read your Bible this week? Oh, no, I didn't have time, Pastor Victor, didn't have time. And I said, okay, you, you, you live at home with your parents. You might have to clean your room. You're not married. You don't have to cook. So why didn't you read your Bible? But my point to them was, and God is so good as he trains us, because he doesn't give kids much to do at the beginning. You're reading the word. And I said, when you go to, when you go to the university, when you go to the college, you're going to get busy. And then you're going to get married one day, and you're going to get busier. And if you don't have time for the word now, when will you have time for the word? That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to keep us away from the word. And it's good to be in the word. Because when circumstances of life come, and the cares of life comes, and the pressures of life If we don't have that solid rock of Jesus Christ and there to read his word, we're not going to do too well. And so it's all about getting in the word. And that's what we're going to find out here. Paul is going to take them straight to prayer because that's going to be the question he has for him. Hobbies are fine. I have hobbies, but I do not let them get above the word. And we're going to, we're a Bible teaching church, and and that's how we grow. And I believe if you're in the word and if you're in prayer and if you're in fellowship with Jesus, anxieties will be less and less. It's when we put everything down and think we're going to be okay. That's when the enemy comes in. Anxiety is the enemy of faith. The Bible says without faith, nobody can please God. No man can please God. And anxiety will, will try its best to detract faith from you. It says in verse 4, Paul, remember, he's in prison, and he's telling the church of Philippi, rejoice in the Lord. And it's really continually rejoice in the Lord, always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be, made, be known to all men. That word gentleness You can use moderation, but the idea is your yieldedness. If we all just live by that, if we would be yielded when people are asking you to do something or or just the the, the busyness of the church, we're pliable, and and so we do it. Worry is the enemy of faith. We all know this, blessed are the flexible, they cannot be broken. It's good to be flexible. For they shall not be broken. Now, as believers, we should have a character of forbearance, a character of temperance, not being shook up by things that go on in the world because we're trusting in Jesus. And Paul says this, the Lord is at hand. Speaking of his imminent return, And Paul was saying it way back then. How much more now? The Lord is at hand. He could come back at any moment. He's just waiting for my cousin to be saved. And then he might come back. And then he gives us the answer for anxiety. So if you want the answer for anxiety, it's in verse 6. He says, be anxious for nothing but in everything but in everything by prayer. Now, I thought you probably thought I was going to give you some great secret, but the great secret 
is to do what he says. Paul, being led by the Holy Spirit, says if you're anxious, if you're worried all the time, first of all, you have your mind on earthly things, I bet you, because it's hard to be worried about heavenly things. They're set. They're, they're fixed. Everything is fine up in heaven. But it's every time we get our eyes on earthly things, we become worried. He says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer. Prasuske, prayer, and supplication. Those are the request that we make to the Lord with thanksgiving. You'll catch this word, euchariste, to be thankful. Let your request be made known to God. He says, whatever you're stressing over, bring them to me. I don't bring them to my mom anymore. She can't handle them. I don't bring them to my wife anymore. She can't handle them. But I take them to the Lord. We just finished singing that song. Everything by prayer. So this is no new, wow, this is a new method. This is an old method that is true, it works, and it's wise. Because it says, and the peace of God, and that's what we're looking for. We're, we're, we're worried. We're pulled in different directions. We need peace. And he tells you, if you seek me first in prayer, if you bring all of your problems and issues and concerns to me in prayer, then you'll get the peace from me. And he says, which surpasses all understanding. That means I don't even know why I'm at peace, but I'm peaceful. And I use this, this example all the time because I've seen it work when my mom lost daddy. And I told you before, we thought she wasn't going to make it. Daddy was her everything. And she said she had a peace that came over her during her morning time, and it just kept coming. God is faithful. God is faithful. And that's why he gives us this prescription here, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. That set up a synonym. You have a, a league of army men around you to protect you. No matter what stress is going on, you're protected. That's what that word means. We'll guard your hearts, there it is, and minds through Christ Jesus. He goes on to give us the prescription to deal with anxiety. He says, what you've got to do is pray. And I hope you wasn't looking for something new, because usually it's something new they tell me it's not true. Jesus, who made us, who knows our makeup, says, you need to come to me and pray. And we intuitively say, not prayer again. I, I, I should have did a uh, study on prayer and then did this right here. Because is that all? Is that all? Well, I pray. That's what we're probably thinking or who has time for prayer. But if you want your anxieties to be removed, the man who created us, the man who knows how we tick, the man who put us together says you need to pray. I don't pray enough. I have my prayer time. I pray throughout the day, but I still don't pray enough because I find myself sometimes getting anxious. Martin Luther, they said him, I think it was Charles Spurgeon, two hours. I think they said Martin Luther prayed three hours a day, every morning. Before he ate, before he did anything, I would have to eat first. Before he did anything, he would pray for three hours. Can you imagine that? And all these guys who wrote books on prayer, E.M. Bounds, he, he, he said he prayed for eight hours, and, and he wrote a book, and I'm saying, well, you... you you still you weren't satisfied because that's what they all say. They're, they still weren't satisfied. So if they can pray for eight hours and not be satisfied, why do I need to pray? <laughs> I can pray for 30 minutes and not be satisfied. That's pretty smart. But no, I'm telling you, because this is the point I'm trying to make, whether it's three hours a day, whether it's eight hours a day, you are never satisfied. 
because we weren't meant to be satisfied down here. We should be longing for the Lord. When Adam and Eve, I believe with all my heart, when they got ready, when Jesus would come down and and walk with them in the cool of the day, they didn't say, hey, it's devotion time. He just showed up and they would walk with him and they would ask questions and Jesus would come in and, and sometimes I think they would just sit and look at each other. Just the presence of God. And probably some little funny creature would walk by and they, they'd laugh and then they'd start back just meditating. My point is they were satisfied with Jesus where they were at. There was no anxiety happening in that garden because their mind was on Christ and they were learning of him. And that's what Paul is saying. That's why you can pray, whether you pray three hours a day or eight hours a day or 20 hours a day. We're not satisfied because we're not in his presence like Adam was. Adam was satisfied, him and Eve, because they were in the presence of the Lord. And so that's what we're looking for. So it doesn't matter if you pray three hours, eight hours, we're longing for that intimacy with the Lord. And when he's with us, we're not anxious for anything. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 I want to, rep- uh, let me go back to this because I, I really want to say this. The problem we have a hard time with prayer, I think it's the concept of God that we have now. And just stick with me. Because the Jew in the Old Testament, they saw the pillar of fire by day, and they saw the cloud by night, and they seen the walls of Jericho fall down. They seen all these showings and signs of God. So they had no problem with God, but they had a problem with their prayer life. Oh, God is a terrible God. God is an awesome God. The mountains quake when he's on it. And so that was their excuse for praying. So Jesus says, I know what I'll do. I'll come down here. You will see the little kids sit on my lap. You will see me feed the multitudes. You will see what kind of God I am. I'm a kind God. I'm a gentle God. And the concept of that, of prayer, we still take it into our closet. Oh, God is awesome. God is this. And that's our excuse for not praying. But God wants to be where we are. God wants us to pour pour our hearts out to him. He waits for us. He waits for me in my closet. And, And when I'm too busy and I go about my job, what I do, I think it, I think he he's heartbroken because he died that we might have this relationship. God becoming man. 2 Corinthians puts it like this, 519, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. He says, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so when he comes down here, he spends time with us. He wants an intimacy, you guys. He wants us to be radically, the person who's been born again, they're the only one that communicate with God. I don't care if you're a Muslim. I don't care if you're a Hare Krishna. I don't care if you're any other kind of religion. You might pray for six hours a day, but you're not praying to God. We get the opportunity to spend time with him, to let him pour into us. And when we get off our knees, it's just something about it. We feel better. We, we can go on. We can handle this, this anxiety problem. 
And that's what he, Jesus said this, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The scripture makes it clear. The only way a sinner can have fellowship with the holy God is through the blood of Jesus Christ. So when he says prayer, immediately he's speaking to believers here. Paul is writing this to the Philippian church, and he's speaking to believers. This is written for us. Prayer is something that you and I have the privilege to spend time with the Lord. No one on earth, if they don't know Christ as their Savior, can be intimate with the Lord but us. And we should take advantage of that because if we draw close to him, all our anxieties, all our fears, I guarantee you, will start to dissipate. That's why Paul is writing this. Remember, he's in prison. Remember, he's just been beaten by the Philippian jailer, and he's telling them to rejoice in the Lord. How can he do that? Because he has that intimate relationship with Jesus, because he knows him, that he gives him everything he needs. And he does that because he wants every sinning human being to come to him and be saved. And this is for believers. John 20, 17 said this. When Jesus had resurrected, he meets these women. He says this, he says this but go to my brethren, he tells them, and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father. God is our father. And then he says, and to my God and your God. They were called into a family relationship right there. And in Philippians 4.1, look at that again, verse, verse 1. Notice the pathos he has as he's writing this, as the Holy Spirit is writing this. He says, therefore, my beloved. That's what he calls us. He's in love with us. And long for brethren. So we're a part of the family. My joy and crown. And then he says, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved, again. So we need to pray. And we must be about the Father's business. And it doesn't matter if it's 12 hours or 24 hours, as long as we're sincere when we're pouring out our hearts to the Lord. Anxiety will begin to dissipate here. So it's no special clue about anxiety. It's about are we walking in a close relationship with the Lord? Adam's sin, fellowship was broken. And every believer, you guys, ever since that sin, every believer desires for a fellowship, a closeness with God. And the only way we get that is through prayer. He tells us in verse 7 of Philippians, and the peace of God, once you pray, once you start praying, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're looking for. When anxiety, we're being swept over by anxiety, he says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart, set up a century around it, and minds through Christ Jesus. So we can't let prayer be in anxiety. I'm sure all of us is praying. I'm sure we all have our prayer time. But make sure we're focused on things that we should be focused on. We can't let prayer be the last thing we do. We shouldn't just pray at the end of the day when the day is over with. We need to pray at the beginning so that the Lord will be with us. And Paul says, pray continually. So we know Paul had a spiritual mind because when I'm not praying continually, my mind scatters all over the place. But when I'm focused on Christ and when I know I'm pouring my heart out to him, He's listening, and it's something about I feel better. Things might not change, but my heart has changed. 
I know I can get through this hard time. I know I can get through this tribulation. That's what Paul is telling them to do because this is what happens when we pray. It tells us, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. That's what we're looking for, that peace of God. This world needs peace. People are anxious. People are worried about the economy, still worried about COVID, still worried about race relations, and things aren't going to get better. And we have all these anxieties coming on. Where do we find relief, the economy, all those things? We won't find it in this president or the next president. I'm not looking for the right president. That's Jesus Christ when he rules the whole world. And that's where I can cuddle up to him. And anxiety seems to flee away. And that's why Paul is saying, this is what we should do. He says, if you pour out your heart out to God, verse 7 says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He cares for us, you guys. And if we pour out our thoughts and our hearts to him, everything that we're going through, he will give us the peace. Peace comes from no one else. And this is the peace of God. Yes, we have the peace of God when we're born again. The Bible says any man who is not born again or woman, we're enmity against God. But as soon as we ask Jesus Christ and we're sincere, we need to come into our lives. We are at peace with God. He's my husband. And it's nothing he won't do. I might ask him for some things that's not contrary to what I should be asking. And he might not give it to me. But that's okay. I knew it wasn't for me. But God is for us, you guys. And he doesn't want us to be anxious for anything. Verse 6 says, let your requests be made known to God. And that should be part of our lives. Not being filled with anxiety. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to pour our hearts out to him because he cares for us. And if we do that, it says in verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It does not say your prayers will be answered. I'm sure as many prayers I prayed, they weren't answered because God was looking out for me and he didn't answer them. But you will still find peace. And that's what the world needs. And they try everything else, drugs, alcohol, relationship, and they never find peace. Peace only comes from one person, and that's Jesus Christ. So instead of being filled with anxiety, Jesus says, come to me. And prayer shouldn't be a labor. As stress-worthy as we are, we should stay on our knees talking to the Lord. He says, continually let your requests be made to God, be made known to God. Verse 7 again, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. And the Greek is better because it's knowledge or quality. I might not even understand why I'm so peaceful, but I have peace. It was when I had that second aneurysm. Lydia was running. She was worried. People was worried. But it was, it was some reason I was peaceful. And that's a good feeling. I, I knew if I... If it was my time, absent from the body, present with the Lord, so I was at peace with it. And it's nothing like being peace and being peace with God. He says, we'll guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, I want to speak about this peace because first, the peace of God is judicial peace. When I was a sinner, once again, I wasn't at peace with God. But now that I'm born again, I am at peace. We're, we're, we're friends. We're in a relationship. But the peace of God is no matter what you're going through, you're at a peace with it. 
Paul in prison. Two days and three nights shipwrecked in the sea, being beaten with stripes and, and, and rods. Even during those times, he said he was at peace. And that's the kind of peace we need. Jesus said, everything that can be shaken will be shaken in the last days. And if we are waiting on circumstances to have peace, we're on an up and down ride. We can't wait on circumstances. We need a peace that comes from God that no matter what happens in my life, I'm at peace. No matter if, 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 if my son isn't saved yet, I can still be at peace knowing that God is a faithful God and, and he's going to have his hounds of hell on him until he takes his last breath so I can be at peace about those things. Because when we're not at peace, we're not acting like Christians. I'm going to leave it up to you guys because I read commentary and I said, I'm not going to bring it up. But they said, everything that is not faith is sin. So if I worry, it's sin. I, I won't take it that far. I, I bring stress on myself when I'm like that. But I can, I, I can, you can take this to the bank. God does not want us to worry. He does not want us to worry. He does not want us to be anxious because what it does do, it throws shade on him and it says, you're not trusting me. You're not trusting me. That's why he said in Matthew 6, I feed the birds, and they're not, I'm not their father. He's our father. Thank you, God. I had a great, I still have a great mom. I had a great dad, was a good father. So I got to see that emulated in my life. And I told you guys when I first started uh, the first sermon, it's really bad when you didn't have a good father because you have to, Get that father from God. But God is a great father. They sung the song. He's a great father. And that's who's overlooking us. That's who's overseeing us. That's who's uh, the providence of God is all on us. He didn't save us to let us have a piece of life down here. He don't want us to be worried and stressed out about things because you're saying, I'm not trusting the Lord. And we have to trust the Lord. He says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, here it is, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's amazing. And finally, I wasn't going to do this verse, but I'm going to do it anyway. Finally, brethren, Paul is coming to the close of, close of his letter. Whatever things are true. They say whatever can mean a lot of things, he, and he names a lot. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, not false, of course, not fake news, of course. Whatever things are noble, he means honorable. Whatever things are just. I, lo I love that word because it's guided by the truth. Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, excellence, or goodness, and if there is anything praiseworthy, he says, meditate on those things. Now, how many times do you do that in a 24-hour period? Be honest. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we should. We should. And it's not. Augmentino, I, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. No, God knows we're getting bombarded by so many things. This world is not for us, it's against us. And even the advertisement, even if you're listening to the radio, the, the, the commercials, and you're getting bombarded, and then don't even throw in politics, and your mind is being bombarded. Let me change that. Not, not only your mind, your heart is being bombarded. 
And it's the heart where you have the issue because the heart will always make a convert of the mind. It's not the mind and the heart. It's the heart and the mind. That's why Jesus said, guard your heart. We have to guard it. And how do we guard it? With the word of God. Because we're hearing bad news over here and bad news over there and fake news over here. And we don't know which way to turn. And so we go to the word of God and we should get stabilized there. How do I raise my family? The word of God. How do I treat my neighbor? It's the word of God. Nothing is new. How do I draw closer to the Lord and stop being so anxious about so many things that the normal guy would be anxious about? I seek him in prayer and I stay there until he calms my heart and orient me right back to his word. And he's told me in his word, he'd never leave me nor forsake me. That's what he said. And I believe him. Why am I anxious? He says, go look at the birds. They're not anxious. And I'm your father. I don't have to be, I don't have to worry about my kids. I used to worry about my kids, Anthony. I don't worry about him anymore. I put him in the Lord's hand, and it was time after time again, I would take it back, put him there. Take him back, put him there. But the Lord taught me. He loves him more than I do. He loves him. He died for him. He wants him saved more than I do. So I can sleep well at night. My mom and dad, I told you guys before, I'm the black sheep of the family. Graduated from Spelman, graduated from the University of Georgia, graduated from Morehouse, graduated from the jailhouse. <laughs> and my mom and my dad, every night I would pass their room, you know, there they were on their knees on both sides of the bed praying. I'd be drunk, high, go to my bedroom. And it would just make me so mad. But they knew something about prayer. They stopped telling me, and they started praying. And it came to fruition. And that's what it takes. I don't argue with my kids. They're too old now, but I, I never did argue with them. I'd pray for them. That's what it takes. Prayer makes all the difference. I'm sure you, you probably have a prayer book at your house now. It takes prayer. Jesus says, my father is working and I'm working. And he's not going to stop working until he calls us home. He loves your kids more than you do. He wants their best. He wants them in the kingdom more than you do. We need to trust him. He's going to feed us no matter the economic un un unturn. He's going to feed us. He's going to take care of us. He's going to provide for us. No matter how many COVIDs come our way, he's going to provide for us. Because that's the kind of God he is. I tell you all the time, Christians, we should be the happiest people on the face of the earth. We should just be talking and happy all the time. Because this world is not our home. Abraham, overloaded with burden, yet and still his eyes were in heaven. And that's what it takes, because days aren't going to get better. They're going to get hard. They're going to get hard. And those who walk with the Lord will have a smile on their face and the joy of the Lord in their heart. Those who don't have time to pray and, oh, I don't need to pray, watch my word. They'll start withering up, because that's what pressure does. The sun will start scorching. That's why he told that parable. We need to pray. That's the antidote. We need to constantly pray. That's how things are going to work out for our behalf. And that's why Paul knows it. He's lived it. I love you guys. I know most of you guys. And I know most of your life. And I know... Uh, children aren't saved. 
I know you've been praying a long time. But Paul didn't say how long to pray. He just said, keep praying. He said, keep praying and don't worry. I love it when Jesus said the disciples are worried, they're anxious, and Jesus says, my father is working and I work. God is still working. He wants to save a lot more people, but we have to pray. We have to seek his face. I want Jesus to do a great things here. But he says, how much do you want to do great things? You, you don't pray like you want him to do. You want me to do great things. Prayer matters. Nothing is done except by prayer. Nothing gets done except by prayer. I'm having a hard time with my kids. They're not listening to me. They're, they're just doing everything wrong. I should pray. I should pray. Because when we're praying, we're trusting God to work. And that's what it's all about, trusting God. Let's, let's close with prayer. Worship team, come up. Father, my mom used to sing a song about prayer, how you've proved yourself over and over. You're a great God. And you're a God who love your children, Lord. And you tell us to look at the birds of the air. And I'm not their father, but I take care of them. How much more you? Lord, if there's anyone here being plagued with anxiety, I ask you to move. I ask you to show yourself strong in their lives. I ask you to work in their hearts so they can see your great love and how you're going to take care of them. They said 80% of the things we think are going to happen, they don't even happen anyway. We're just wasting our time worrying about it. So, Lord, I pray that Calvary Restore would be a church that are prayer warriors. Nothing gets done except by prayer. I pray for sons and daughters that are not born again, Lord, that parents have been praying for for a long time. I ask that you would move, that you would give them some sign that you're still working on their behalf. May we be a church that will not be an anxious church, but that be a church full of faith that, because we're prayer warriors, Lord, and that we trust you, not ourselves, not in man, not in government, but we trust you, Lord, to show yourself strong in our lives. And I ask all of these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to the Father God. Amen. Let's close with a song.